Hi, welcome to episode number 15 of Fashionpreneur Talk with Gitana Styling. My name is Sandra Mateo Yari. I am a fashion stylist and a business consultant. This podcast is about having genuine conversations about fashion entrepreneurship and getting your questions answered. Remember, you can always send us your questions to info at gitanastyling.com. Uh, the email is info at G-I-T-A-N-A styling.com. You can remain anonymous if you want, or we can share your name, business, and website with all our listeners. We also want to invite you to hang out inside our free Facebook group, the Fashion Entrepreneur Club Hangout, where we provide you with the inspiration, support, and knowledge to build a successful fashion business. So today is episode 15, and we're talking, we're going to talk to Angela Johnson. Angela is the co-founder of Fabric which is our local fashion incubator here in the state of Arizona in the United States. Um, she is the CEO of Label Hort, an incredible online fashion directory, the co-founder of the Arizona Pearl Foundation. She's also a fashion designer, Angela Johnson's Designs. And if I keep talking about her resume, I'll be here for hours. She is an institution here and I'm grateful to know her, to have worked with her in the past and have her here today uh, chatting with us. She's probably the most knowledgeable people, person <laughs> that I've met in the industry. Angela, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yay. Um, okay. So that was kind of like the resume kind of description, but I wanted you to tell them, you know, tell, tell them more about you and what you do at a fabric. Oh, okay. Um, well, like you said, I'm the co-founder of fabric, which is the fashion and business resource innovation center. And it's a fashion incubator, which just means that if you are a brand owner or you want to be a brand owner, you can come to Fabric and we have everything that you need to get you through all of the um, design, manufacturing, and everything else that it takes to create your clothing. Um, usually those resources are found in places like LA or New York, um, where the you know, fashion cities are, but we have created them in Arizona for designers who don't live in LA or New York. And we've created them in such a way that it is attracting brand owners from all around the country because we basically hold your hand through yeah. the process. Yeah. And that's the thing is most people have never done this before. They don't understand the process. They don't know what tech packs are. They don't know, you know, how the, the garment gets through every step. They don't understand wholesale sourcing of their fabrics and trims or anything. So we basically help you through all of that by offering education and um, hand-holding through all those steps and doing it all under one roof so you don't have to like run around and go to different places all over Los Angeles to accomplish all that stuff. And then we have a nonprofit called Arizona Apparel Foundation that I co-founded with my partner Sherry Berry as well. And the nonprofit helps to reduce the rates of everything we do inside fabric. So it provides free um, and discounted programs and services to people so they can take advantage of a lot of this stuff for a lot less than they would anywhere else because this is expensive. It's, it's expensive to get into this industry. So we're trying to help people save money and provide all those resources under one roof. So that's what fabric is. And, and like you said, I'm also a fashion designer. So I have experience in designing and manufacturing apparel from when I did live in Los Angeles in the 1990s and started my own brand and worked as a designer and a production manager for other brands as well. So I just took everything that I learned, brought it to Arizona, and now are offering it to the next generation of brand owners that need those resources. 
amazing amazing i mean i've been there i have worked with you in there and i i just think it's incredible uh, what you and sherry have accomplished there i feel we're so lucky here in arizona to have you guys and you mentioned that some brands also from other parts of the united states are also coming in and working with you guys correct yeah we're seeing a big increase in that recently because of you know with COVID and everything it's it's hard to get anything made overseas which we've been saying for a very long time even without COVID it's hard to get anything made overseas the minimums are high it's yeah. also you know a lack of communication sometimes you're not in the facility to be able to check each thing and make sure it comes out the way that you want it and so yeah. there are a lot of obstacles plus sustainability issues and things so um you know there's a lot more people trying to make things domestically and so there's they're coming from everywhere right now amazing and based on your experience angela the people that you've talked to all the brands that you guys have helped um what are the top needs you find in the fashion community pretty much everyone a hundred percent of everyone the top need is the design development and manufacturing so there are a lot of resources you know for branding and marketing and other support services business services things like that anywhere but as far as developing a product that has that you can you know that you can prototype in a way that is ready to be manufactured so it has complete tech packs it has graded patterns it has markers created and it's ready with a soba sample to be actually manufactured and then to find the manufacturing locally with you know small quantities or, or low minimums or no minimums is nearly impossible yeah and usually impossible so those are the two things everybody needs and don't really exist um and in anywhere outside of the fashion capital so that's what we focus on and that's what we do at fabric okay great and for anyone who's listening um that you know they're just starting out you know they have this idea they love sewing or they love design and they just want to jump in what would you tell them you know when they're just starting out in their entrepreneurial journey what would you suggest yeah. Oh, okay. Well, what, what I would suggest is get educated. So the first thing, I think a lot of people underestimate how difficult yes. and how expensive yes. it's going to be. And they also underestimate how much goes into it. And so they, they basically think, oh, I just need to learn how to sew, or I just need to have my grandma sew this for me, or I just need to draw a picture and somebody can make it for me. And that's like completely inaccurate. And so unless you're the type of person that's making one, you know, one of a kind, like you're a custom designer that's making wedding dresses for somebody, then yes, you need to know how to sew. Yes, you need to know everything about apparel construction and have years and years and years of practice and experience to make it good enough, to look good, to charge what you need to charge, to make one at a time. But if you're starting a brand where you're gonna actually manufacture it in quantities, you're not the one sitting there sewing or making the patterns or doing any of that, but you need to be educated in the things that the people who are making it need need to know from you. So things like understanding, you know, how to design something properly that can be made mm -hmm. and being able to communicate it properly, like drawing a, a flat, which is a technical drawing, being able, that's the first step. The, nobody can give you a quote, nobody can give you an estimate on how long, nobody can even make it without a technical flat. It's like an architectural blueprint. And so basically understanding things like that and learning how to then take that idea and that flat and move through design development, sample making, sourcing of fabrics and trims, grading it into different sizes, making markers, 
production cutting and production sewing requires a lot of education and understanding how to quality control each one of those steps and how to write cutting tickets, how to write grading and marking tickets, how to write sewing contracts, all of those things. And so first thing you do, you should educate yourself in those things or you're really not going to make it very far. Yeah. And, you know, with technology nowadays, like anyone can, you know, jump in and obviously there's different uh, variables, but, you know, if anyone wants to, let's say, sell t-shirts, they can figure out a way to make it happen. But for the real designer that really wants to go in and, and do the thing from scratch, right, I feel there's a big gap between the passion of having, you know, a passion for fashion and then making it a business right? What would you recommend? What are the key things? You know, you have so much experience that you can share with people because I feel like a lot of people, they keep it like a hobby, right? And there's nothing wrong if you want to maintain it as a hobby, but if you want to turn it into a business, what are some key things that, that you think they should consider? Well, like you said, you can start a t-shirt brand with your logo on it and have them screen printed, have your logo screen printed on blanks that already exist. And a lot of companies start that way because it's really easy. Those t-shirts have been manufactured in very high volume, so they can be offered at very low prices. So you can get $5 t-shirts, you can put your logo on it and you can start selling them and, and basically make some money so that you can invest in the expensive cut and sew and you know specific design that you want so if you then wanted to start designing things that you can't buy as blanks then you would basically need to like i said go through all of that that education and things like that and one of the things i always tell people in our consultation we offer a consultation to help you understand everything you're about to go through in, in cut and sew um, and one of the main things that, that I start with is the fact that you shouldn't try to create an entire collection right out of the gate. There's going to be a lot of expense and there's going to be a lot of steps, a lot of places where you make a mistake. You don't want to do that on like 12 pieces and you probably can't even afford to do it on 12 pieces unless you have a million dollar investment. So it's usually better off to start with less pieces. So if we're going to give any advice, I would say narrow down your collection, turn it into one to three core pieces, things that you think would set the tone for your brand going forward. So things that are like your staple items in somebody's wardrobe. So you maybe want to make a, a athleisure brand. Well, then make the perfect legging and start with just that one. Yeah. Make it so that it fits whatever you know body type you're trying to fit, that it's exactly the way it should be. And then you've you've like said hey this is what we do as a brand and then next season after you've gone through everything it took to do that now you have more experience now add a variation of that legging so like make it a crop and add little mesh cutouts and you know pockets and whatever you want to do but it's better to start small and then slowly start adding more pieces into that collection same with sizes if you can limit your sizes it's going to be very much cheaper the more sizes you have the more expensive it is in grading and in marker making and in cutting. Yeah. So the more sizes you have, the more expensive, then why don't you narrow it down in the beginning and select a range of sizes that is just a little more limited, whatever your body type is, whether it's in plus size clothing or it's in short clothing or tall skinny clothing or whatever it is, whatever the sizes are, make sure that you only offer like four sizes maybe and, and then that way you can get going, like I said, go through the process and then add more sizes later after you get through everything. Yeah, I think that's so smart. I, I think a lot of people, you know, they just 
jump in <laughs> and they make such a big investment and then they just feel so frustrated because nothing moves. I mean, you have to test the market, you have to talk to your audience, see what they want. Um, what do you, how do you feel about you know crowdfunding and those kind of things for getting money? How do you feel about that? I think that's a great idea. In fact, it is an expensive business to be in and so most people can't afford to go through the design development and manufacturing process just from their own, you know, whatever they have in their, sitting in their bank account. And so that usually involves some sort of investment in some way. And it's really hard to get an investor to invest in a fashion line. These are typically not very profitable and there's a lot of issues. And so most brand owners have a hard time finding an investor unless it's a family owner or a family um, member who actually is like excited about it and wants yeah. to help you. I mean, that's the best way or your own savings. But because of, you know, beyond that, it's a little more, it's a lot more difficult. A lot of brand owners will just invest the money to create their samples. So they have something to show and then they'll use that on a crowdfunding website so that they can build, you know, the funds that it takes to, to manufacture it. And so when yeah. people are donating to those sites, and you've promised them one garment, you know, they're basically prepaying for the garment. So now you have the money to invest in manufacturing it and they're willing to wait a few months that it's gonna take to actually manufacture it. And so that usually isn't the case when you've um, created a brand and you've made samples and you're trying to sell direct to consumer on your own website, you already have to have inventory. Nobody's gonna wait three months for you to manufacture them one at a time. And the price at a time is not gonna be anything that you can you know charge so you basically have to make a whole bunch of them and whatever that quantity is you need money to be able to do that to, in order to ship things you know on demand and so those are probably those um crowdsourcing crowdfunding websites are probably the best bet when you first start okay awesome and i know you guys focus a lot on the product development that's like your main thing but what about getting the word out there i know you guys are also a venue and we host a lot of fashion shows in there and you have a lot of classes and resources um do, what do you offer in terms of you offer help on helping you know uh from promote or i know you guys have your newsletter which is amazing um tell us a little bit more about that well pretty much anything that you need is under this roof and so we we help even with business development i mean we have everything if you need to you know research the name and mm -hmm. actually make sure that you have a business plan and get your transaction privilege tax license and all of those things all the way to branding and logo design and website design and all the way to design and manufacturing and you know everything that you need even like you said the event space we have a runway where you can show your product on the on the runway and have your own fashion show we have photo studios where you can shoot you know pictures of your product and we have um, photographers and hair and makeup people we also have the directory which is a free directory of all arizona fashion professionals and the reason we have it free is so that it's a real representation of everybody in the industry mm -hmm. so that you can find other designers models hair makeup um, who, whatever you need, photographers, anything in there, and you can collaborate with them and work with them. So if you needed to hire a photographer and you didn't want to use ours, for example, you could find anybody and you can bring them in and you can rent the photography studio and everything we have inside Fabric is below market rates because we reduce everything as a give back to the community because we're in a city of Tempe building and so that's kind of how we earn our stay there. So we have all these resources that are available and they're actually cheaper than they would be anywhere else. 
amazing. And if I'm in another state and let's say I live, I don't know, in the country, I could ship it to you, right? I could ship my pieces and organize somehow, coordinate a photo shoot or something. Totally, yes, definitely can do that. You can work with us from anywhere. Awesome. So um, just before we dive into the sustainability, for the people who have been in the business for a while already, right? They, they're very experienced, um, but they haven't made that jump. They're, they're still, you know, it's very hard economically to keep with the brand. What would you suggest to them? What would you recommend? So do you mean like somebody who is kind of making their own pieces out of their home as a hobby and they're ready to get into manufacturing? Yes. Okay, yeah. So um, I don't think I would recommend anything different than than everything that I just said. Okay. It's That's the type of person that walks into our building. Also, the type of person that walks into our building is just somebody who doesn't even know how to make it themselves and, and hasn't really started. So it would apply basically to anybody, whether you have, you know, this is just an idea, you've never done any of this, you have no idea about any of the processes, you don't understand any of it, or that you have been sewing for years out of your own house um, and, you know, or, or whatever, and, and doing small orders of one at a time or small production out of your house, it's still very different to start getting into handing it over to somebody who's going to be making it for you. Yeah. So you would still have to learn all of the same things because you basically would have to need production ready patterns that are digital that can be graded properly with the proper um, things that need to be on the pattern that are ready for production. And the production samples have to be made, which are very different than samples you sew out of your house. And then they have to be graded into sizes properly and markers have to be made for um, you know, production cutting and things. And that's all very different than what happens out of your own house. So it would be from starting from the same place as somebody who doesn't know anything, basically. Okay, okay, thanks. Okay, that sounds great. What about sustainability? I know that you personally and, and Fabric, um, you are big advocates for sustainability. You have your own Eco Fashion Week. You have a lot of stuff going on in Fabric. How can people help? Um, I know you have, like I said, many projects and different different things going on in fabric with this yeah do you want me to tell you about those projects first yes, uh, yes. go ahead <laughs> uh, yeah we do care about sustainability a lot in fact the reason that fabric exists is because I didn't and neither did my partner we didn't want to go out of the country to make our stuff because we couldn't be there to make sure that it was being made sustainably or responsibly yeah. and so and we didn't we didn't want to make uh, you know, overproduce and make thousands and thousands of pieces if we didn't need it. And so that's what most big brands are doing, you know, the big, big, big brands out there that are making hundreds of thousands of the same thing or millions of the same thing are actually overproducing yeah. in order to get the price point down into, a, you know, something that most consumers expect. Mm -hmm. And we we are falsely expecting those prices to be that, that low. They really shouldn't, your clothing shouldn't cost less than their lunch. Something went terribly wrong yeah. overseas. It was made irresponsibly and it was probably overproduced. And so you end up with these excess, you know, pieces getting burned or put into landfills um, yeah. because you can't even sell them. And so all of that's just very unsustainable. And then to not know who made it is, you know, another part of that and what, what you know, what, what it was like, what, you know, when they made it, if it was Definitely. even made legally and things. And so in order to be able to make something domestically in small quantities, mm -hmm. we do have to charge what it takes to do that at 
you know, what labor rates are in the United States, which are much higher than they are overseas. So it is going to cost somebody more to make it domestically, but that means it's sustainable and responsible because you actually have to, you know, follow the rules in the United States. And we actually, all of our employees are e-verified. Everything is made with very much transparency. We invite the designer in on every, in fact, we insist the designer comes in on every step of the process so they can see how it's being made and everything because we need their feedback anyways and their quality control checks and stuff. And so everything is made in smaller quantities. You just have to educate your consumer on why it costs a little bit more. You can't be expecting that you're going to be able to sell a $20 shirt you know, because you'd have to make 500,000 of them overseas to do that. And so if you want smaller quantities, you've got to, it's going to cost more and you just have to educate your consumer on why it costs more. And, and using a lot of that language about it being sustainable and responsibly made in the U.S. is part of that, along with having a niche. You should have some sort of thing that makes you different from everybody else or else why are they going to spend more on your shirt that they can find something similar to at Target, for example. And so you really need to have something going for you that makes you separate and special but also at so just just by def, by definition we're sustainable because of that but then on top of that we have actually um done a lot of different things for example we have this program where once we've manufactured for somebody instead of throwing away the little corners and leftover pieces they don't get thrown away they get given to local designers who can use the fabric and and many of them patchwork it together into like new fabric and then we cut them out out of new clothes and they make these these really cool unique one-of-a-kind pieces out of it and it's called refabricate and that program is what started Arizona Eco Fashion Week. We wanted to highlight that program and so we created Arizona Eco Fashion Week to highlight these unique pieces, show them on the runway and when they're sold right off the runway and after the event for the whole year then the proceeds are split between the designer and the nonprofit. And so the designer gets to tell us what price they want for them and everything. And then also on the runway at Eco Fashion Week are any local brands that are making a sustainable product. So maybe somebody is using zero waste patterns or using very sustainable fabrics or something like that or upcycling. Then they also get to be in the Fashion Week as well. And we don't charge for them to participate in this. We always make everything as affordable as possible. It's really expensive to be a designer. So we try really hard to make it as affordable as possible. And so at our building, I mean, we, it's like a community that comes together that understands that. So people contribute and collaborate to be able to make that happen because we all want to, you know, move like bring up the fashion industry in Arizona and, and elevate it together. And so everybody kind of works together to help each other do this. We also have a program that, oh, and the rest of the Arizona Eco Fashion Week contains lots of um, education, yes. seminars, you know, movie screenings and things like that that help educate the public. Mm -hmm. And then we also have a program through the Centers for Habilitation where we have adults with different disabilities that come to fabric, we taught them how to sew. They get a job where they're sewing um, little tote bags that are made out of, that the school next door is Arizona State University. And they bring over the banners that used to hang at the school. And so the, the TCH Enclave workers actually take the banners and they construct them into the tote bags. And then they are sold in the ASU bookstore and um, this is like a, a job security for them. So it's, 
you know, making the ban the banners have a second life, basically, yeah. which is really cool. Um, and then, you know, there are a, a ton of little things that we do all the time. We, we got a certification from, from Local First for being a sustainable building and, and some of the practices that we have in there as well. So it's the, it, it's really cool. I mean, we actually won the, um, the Tempe Mayor's um, Sustainability Award for, yeah. actually, that was the Disability Award. And then we won Mike Crow, the Area's President Sustainability Award for the TCH program, which is yeah. really cool. No, this is incredible. Well, you know I'm, I'm a huge fan of yours. <laughs> I can't, there's so much going on in this building. It's just incredible for anyone in the in the business. They really can get involved and, and they should <laughs> because there's so much going on. Me, myself, I mean, I've, I've gone to the Eco Fashion Week. Um, you guys would, you have panels. Um, there's a lot of education. That's where I first watched the True Cost documentary, which really, made a big impact on me um there's just so much uh guys if you're listening just please check it out um i'll have angela at the end share all the links and we'll share them of course at the end of the conversation where where do you see angela the fashion going what's the future of fashion i mean definitely sustainability is a big part now consumers are way more educated right we're making more educated choices um there's a lot going on right now in the world with covid and everything where do you see this going in terms of you know of fashion and fashion shows and and, and everything coming ahead yeah that's a great question um basically everything we've been saying all along is kind of proving true right now with the reshoring of manufacturing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's really hard to get anything from outside of our borders. And so if we can have everything made within our borders, it makes it a lot easier. Um, and, you know, that's kind of proven to be true right now. Um, additionally, it's, I, we've always been saying that most of these small brands don't need you know, hundreds of thousands of pieces or even thousands, they, they usually need hundreds. And so it's very small, it's very hard to get, you know, small batch manufacturing because break, usually a factory doesn't make money until they make, you know, thousands of the yeah. same thing over and over. And so, you know, having smaller runs of production is hard to do because you don't make any money, you actually lose money. We actually offer no minimum so that we can help somebody get started, but we, we lose money doing that. So we support that with all of these other cool things that we do in the building that, that bring in the money that offset the loss of the manufacturing. But I think that because of this, you know, smaller quantity need to make to make a niche product to not overproduce something that you just kind of throw at the wall and hope it sticks but to make something that fits a unique customer is the way of the future you know we want on demand and we want it to fit us and be meant for us but there are thousands of body types in the world so if you have a unique body type sometimes it's hard to find clothing that fits you and it's not because the designer or the brands hate you it's literally because it would be so expensive and impossible for a brand to make a thousand sizes of yep. the one thing that they make. And so basically have, putting this into the hands of the you know artisan again, of the designers again, and having them create things that are special and that are unique to certain body types is the future. And bringing it back here to the, to the you know, states is the future. And then also, I think on top of it, having technology involved is going to help make this process a lot more efficient so that you, you take out some of that human labor the human labor is what costs so much yeah and it's a very skilled thing to actually 
sew something and so and to make it look good and so if you can remove some of the human labor and replace it with some technology and and free up that human to do something that's a little more behind the computer you know and using their creativity i think that's the answer and we're just starting to see that um and so i think that is going to start happening a lot more and actually at fabric we are making that a priority and we've been investigating how we can make that happen here in Arizona and be one of the first states to really implement a lot of the technology to make it a lot easier. In fact, we have Gerber 13, which is basically the computer-aided design program that has a 3D model mm -hmm. in it. You can put your, your customer's body measurements and then now you have an avatar that represents the size that you're trying to create and then we can create the design on that 3d avatar before it's ever sewn up which is going to save you money and basically get there more accurately sooner and so those are the kind of technologies i'm talking about that just need to be along every part of the process and we're working on it we want to make arizona the next fashion capital um in a totally different way we don't want to do what the la's and the new yorks are doing and, and overproducing this old school you know um henry ford line model way we want to do this with technology so that we can do it right yeah amazing i also i always uh, you know, I, I talk a lot to my audience about visibility. I think we're living in an incredible time with technology and I think this is so helpful. You mentioned a little bit in there uh, to the designers, the fact that you can just talk to your audience like right there and there and have conversations and ask what they want and, you know, possibly incorporate a technology like the one that you're talking about. I think um, I always try to push uh, my, my audience to, you know, don't be afraid of the technology. Use it, take advantage of it you're gonna have a better relationship with your customer and I feel like a lot of small brands have grown a lot in these last years while the big big brands have actually <laughs> gone down the drain because of that because we care about the product we care about the customer um, we have a better relationship with them and I think you know it's it's definitely part of the equation and people should definitely take advantage of it you know definitely don't be afraid of technology there's so much awesome user-friendly technology that makes your life so much easier as an entrepreneur than when I had my brand in the 90s. There was like nothing, you know, that was going to help me. It was all hands-on. So there, just be, just use it to your advantage. It's it's an awesome thing that we have that. Yeah, 100%. Um, Angela, just one more question before um, uh, we leave. Where does your passion for fashion come from? I don't think I ever heard this story. I know you've done absolutely everything in the rainbow. You're so talented and you have such a huge resume, but where does that come from? When, you know, tell me a little bit more about that. <laughs> uh, that's a fun question. So my um, grandma really liked fashion. She wasn't in the industry though. She just was like a collector of dresses. My grandfather was US district attorney and we were stationed in the Panama Canal Zone for a lot of my younger years. And I remember my grandma hosting and grandpa hosting dinner parties for like governors and things like that and princess stuff. And so it was, she had to dress up. She had to like wear these really fancy dresses and then she kept them. And then I lived with my grandparents growing up. So I was in her closet playing with all of these dresses my whole life and looking at all of these beautiful vintage pieces and then she didn't have just like a regular sense of fashion her her things were super like just statement making i mean they were all very you know loud and 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 cool and and Love so <laughs> i 
really got some inspiration from her and of course she let me go through it and, and, and do things that I wanted with it. So in high school, I used to take her dresses and sort of, you know, take the sleeves off. I didn't know how to sew, I didn't know how to do anything. I would cut it apart. Now I'm like, oh my God, how could I do that to a vintage dress? <laughs> you know, I, I'd do what I could to make it look different, wear it with combat boots, things like that. And then um, basically it just kind of, dawned on me, hey, I should get into fashion. And it wasn't until I had already had a degree in speech communications from NAU that I thought, uh, you know, I can speak, but I don't really know anything about anything to speak about. So I would like to actually have an expertise in some area and I think it should be fashion. So then I went to the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising in LA and got a degree in fashion design and then started working in the industry um, as a designer and a production manager. Incredible. Well, I'm so glad you did. <laughs> uh -huh. I'm so glad you did. Um, Angela, where can people uh, contact you? Where should I go? What's the website? Oh, yeah. So our main website is fabric10p.com. And if you go there, you can click around and see everything that we do. You'll notice that certain links take you to other websites because we are a community and a collaborative um, space that we have different businesses like the Label Horde Directory is a different website and manufacturing is a different website, but it all can be found on, on fabric10p.com. And then you can even book your tour there if you would like to come and see the building. Um, that's something that we are kind of limiting right now because of COVID, but we're, we're offering them to very small groups of five people once a week um, right now, just to kind of get a look at the resources that you can use there. I didn't get to mention that one of the things that we're doing right now is during the pandemic, we actually pivoted and we started manufacturing um, PPE. So we're making reusable isolation gowns and for the healthcare workers, level two and three. Um, and so we had to get FDA approval. We had to get 50 wow. more screen machines, hire 50 more people. And we want to keep those people safe. And so we are limiting the things that we're doing and putting most of them online right now. But you can come in for a, a, a limited tour um, you know, uh, to see some of the spaces and most of everything else you can do online as well. Okay, amazing. Anything else you want to share before we close? Gosh, well, um, you can follow everything that we're doing. We have a blog on the Fabric Tempe website about the PPE. I mean, right now, that's something that's such a big concern for us. We yeah. were, you know, we everybody reached out to us when the pandemic hit because we have all the sewing skills. And mm -hmm. so we instantly knew we couldn't just walk away. We had to actually change everything that we do and, and purchase all the machines we needed and hire all these employees. And so it's an interesting story. We, we write these blogs. You can find them on fabric and to keep up with the story and it's it's so much it's just a crazy whole new I mean it's it's incredible how I thought starting a fashion incubator was going to be hard but doing this has been really hard and challenging but it's so rewarding we have made over 40,000 um, reusable isolation gowns they can be washed up to a hundred times in the hospital so if you do the math that actually mitigates four million gowns um, and so that's a sustainability story right there and we are cranking them out like no one's business we have more factories under us that we have you know help them get going so that we can all do this together and i think that's a really cool point that i hope everybody you know knows that we're doing right now because it is a, a big undertaking for us to do that and still be able to do what we normally do
Yes, it's incredible. Definitely. Well, Angela, thank you so much for being here today and sharing all your expertise with us. That's what I have for you guys today. I hope that this was extremely helpful. <laughs> Call Angela, please visit Fabric, check out everything they have. And if you have any questions, I'll be happy to help. Angela, we'll be happy to help. If you like this podcast, please let me know. Send me an email, a message, or share it with someone you might like, that who might like it too. Also, if you have a moment, please subscribe to our podcast to show your support. Thank you so much for listening and hanging out with us today. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week. Angela, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for doing this for everybody. You're awesome. <laughs> thank you.